Hey guys, it's Isaac with the Plug Podcast. We are here for our very first episode. I'm here with Andy, Grace, my wife Brittany, and Tyler. Uh, and our topic this week is contentment. So just to get all things straight right away so we're all on the same page, we're going to go ahead and define contentment, our working definition. And what we're really talking about is a freedom from anxiety or worry. The idea of contentment comes from a Greek word meaning independence or self-sufficiency. But Paul uses this word in a Christian sense more significantly in Philippians 4.13. Kind of the concept of I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So this is our working definition of contentment and kind of what we're going off of is this freedom of anxiety through this independence and self-sufficiency that God gives us. So you're using the definition that there's an independence and self-sufficiency in this. How do you have independence and self-sufficiency when you're relying on God? You can't. The answer is you can't, really. There's no submission there. Submission to God or submission to who? Submission to God. I mean, if you're self-reliant, if you're... Um, independent, you're not relying on Christ, and you're relying on self, and that's all rooted in pride. So, if you want to talk about the roots of contentment, I think it looks di- it might look differently for men versus women, but the general the general root that all of that ties back to, I think, is pride. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I know in a more practical sense, we when we think of the word contentment, we we kind of think of what we don't have and what what we wish we we had. Um, kind of that clash between those two ideas, and I know I know specifically for guys, I think a lot of the times we can kind of struggle in what we think our status should be and what it actually is. Like whether that comes with a certain job title or a certain salary or a certain level of education or something. I think a lot of discontentment with guys can come from I don't have this job when I should have this job, or I should have this salary by now, or I should be a homeowner by now, or I should. I've paid off my college loans by now, or I should have done this, or I should have done that. And really it comes down to, it, like, you, like you said earlier, a lack of submission to God's will for your life. And it's really like, who are you to plan things? It's, it's alright to have goals, and it's alright to have a vision for your life, but it's never going to work out when those visions or goals are in conflict with what God has for your life, because God will always win. And are you content if your goals are unmet? Like, truly, if the goals that you have for yourself that came from you or from your parents or from the way you were raised, like, are you truly content if you don't meet those goals? I think the world's answer is no. I think the world's answer is if I don't have what I think I should have, then I'm not happy. But I think God's answer is different. Our desires aren't submitted to God's will for our lives. There will be a clash in your contentment. Yeah, I think from a female perspective, contentment can come in the form of unmet expectations of how you want your life to be like when you're a little girl and you dream of your wedding and what type of mom you'll be and what type of wife you'll be and what type of career you'll have and we grow up watching fairy tales and movies and tv shows and media and social media now of perfection and if we aren't achieving that perfection on our own schedule then we're discontent and I think when we have that as our standard and our life doesn't look like that maybe growing up or in your current situation you want that perfection even more even though you're never going to achieve it so you're always going to wrestle with these unmet expectations of things that will never happen because perfection cannot be achieved 
on kind of another note, um, Martin Luther believed that a Christian should never be satisfied with what he is, but he should always be content with what he has. Whatever blessings that God sees fit to give him in answer to his prayers and efforts. And so what I think is interesting about that is another form of discontentment is 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 not being satisfied with what you are. So I think it's it's really easy often in our culture to be content with who we are, to be content with just our social status, to be content with, oh man, I struggle with this, but this is just what I what I do like, oh well, you know. But truly what discontentment is in another form is just being okay with the way things are that we have control over when we shouldn't necessarily be okay with that. On the other side, we need to be content with what God gives us. So not necessarily changing our circumstances, our jobs, our career goals, that stuff. Some of that stuff we need to be content with what God gives us for our efforts, but who we are spiritually. That's something that if we grow content in, that is discontent. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think I think the Apostle Paul says it really well in Philippians when he uh he says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me, which we, we mentioned at the beginning. But I think Paul kind of lays out a kind of perfect scenario when it comes to contentment. I mean, it's it's easier said than done, but... And you know, in every circumstance, whether that be hunger, whether that be need, whether that be whatever you're whatever you're facing in your life right now, is to just be content in what the Lord has given you now. You know what I mean? So like, when you wake up in the morning, you have you know you have a place to to sleep, and your way to your job in the morning, you have a job to go to. You have warm clothes on. You have you have food on the table. So just being content in those things that God has already given you, instead of focusing on things that. Uh, you don't have focus on the things that you do have. Grace, you made a good point with the contentness or contentment, whatever the word is, that with women and dealing with the where they're going to be in the future and then not meeting that, mm-hmm. kids, wife, kids, husbands, all that, and then not meeting that, mm-hmm. could some of the discontent that shows up in their lives be from holding on to the past and holding on to where they thought they would be as opposed to letting go and looking forward to the future what may be in their future and what will be uh, what God has for them. Yeah. So I think, especially for me, and I think a lot of women struggle with this, it's not so much just holding on to the past, but holding on to what your idea of the future was supposed to look like and comparison and seeing oh, this person got to do this, then why don't I? And, like, bitterness and comparison and jealousy and envy and still having this picture-perfect idea of what your life is going to look like, but it's never going to measure up to that. But it seems like other people's do. I struggle with bitterness because of that, because I'm like, well, they didn't do things right. Why do they get to have what I wanted and I don't? Yeah. I think social media plays a huge role in that. We're just, like, constantly comparing ourselves to other people online and even what you just said there like they did it right okay so what's the definition of right like how do you define like they did it right so they get to have this okay well what is right what is correct Um, what does that look like what is that based upon i think social media is a huge stumbling block i mean you talk about 
we get these ideas of what our future is going to look like from movies, from fairy tales that we watched as a little girl and how our weddings are supposed to look like and what our family's supposed to look like. And so social media does play a big part in that because you see people who you have walked alongside in some seasons of your life and you know where they've been and you know where they've come from and where life has taken them is a different path, but you don't know XYZ. You don't know what God has done within their lives throughout that journey for them to get where they're at. It's toxic because how often do you get on social media, you find yourself thoroughly enjoying and being happy for everybody else. Because when I'm done scrolling half the time, I'm like, man, my life stinks. Yeah. But really it doesn't. And like it can be big things or little things. It can be big things of like, oh, why did she get to have babies right after she got married and I don't? Or it could be something a lot smaller than that of like, oh, this girl makes really cool TikToks of trying on vintage clothes and her body's like a Barbie doll and mine's not. Mm. And it's like this spiral of like, you can be so bitter and negative about every single detail of your life and you're holding on to this fairy tale idea of the future that's never going to happen. And like, how do we let go of that daydream and what we want our lives to look like and be in the present? I also think it's a big control Mm -hmm. aspect a control idea we think that we have control over our lives our decisions and we do to an extent but we also don't at the same time like god's got control of that so you find yourself in a rut when you're trying to control what your life looks like you're living for yourself you're not living for god in that moment right and the contentment from a girl's perspective the discontentment comes when I think God has me somewhere where I don't think I should be. Mm-hmm. And I think I should be somewhere different than where God has me. And I'm putting myself above God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not letting him have control of my life. I'm trying to control every aspect. Well, mm-hmm. that comes into the pride the pride thing we were mentioning right. earlier. It's like, well, who are we to say, like, what's best for our lives? Like, God, exactly. is, God ordained the whole creation of the world. Like, I would want to listen to his plan for my life instead of my own if I could. I mean, it's easier said than done. But it's mm-hmm. just, to me, it's more about just, like, becoming more sanctified and like mm-hmm. living living a life that God uh, that would please God so something yeah. for you uh, Luke 12:15 and he said to them this is Jesus talking take care and be on your guard against all covetousness for one's life does not consist of abundance in his possessions and he goes on to say later you know, a little bit further down in verse 21 so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. So if you're concerned about how much my you get that six figure salary, yeah, and you have you can go to the bank and pull out as many hundred dollar bills as you want. When you're living for that, when you're living for a almost an instant gratification or a a head in life, and I'm using that in quotations, are you really living for God or are you living for your next meal? Are you living for your next shirt that you're going to wear or the next car you're going to buy or the next ring you're going to get your wife or the next vacation you take or are you living for the yeah I want to make that money because I feel called to give to a missionary or to donate to an orphanage or insert humanitarian here (laughs) where is the desire for that coming from because if it's not coming from God or God's will for your life then the discontentment will grow more and more and more until you can find the root for your desire for that. Yeah. 
I think the American dream really screws us. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, and I would even go so far as to say the American dream itself and the lifestyle it produces is not sinful, but chasing after the American dream is sinful because what it does is it it gives us this comparison standard, this universal cultural standard that we have to achieve. And once we achieve it, it locks us into a place. It locks us into a house. It locks us into a job. It locks us into a family model. And really, it locks us into this place where we're not willing to break out of that box for the gospel. We're not willing to follow God and become discontent, and that's in quotation marks, because it doesn't break this American dream. So we start chasing after this American dream and this culture more than we even chase after God himself. Yeah. It becomes an idol. It becomes an idol, yeah. And then, why are we discontent in the whole place? It's because we're idolizing something far different than God. Yeah. And I think you and I have had conversations with this, like in the aspect of you want that salary or you want that job to provide for your family, for your future family, for the ones you care about. And so sometimes it doesn't come out of like, a bad place it, there's good intentions there but are they godly intentions like right. good intentions versus godly intentions i think is super important because like isaac really cares about providing for me providing for our future family and providing for xyz well and i believe it's matthew 8 when is the sermon on the mount i believe that i'm not positive god talks about he will give the birds who do not toil he will give them food he will clothe the lilies of the field it is, and this is a hard thing as a guy to wrap your head around. It is not our job as a provider to provide for our families. It is God's job. We just need to get out of the way and let Him work. That's good. That's something that I've noticed just actually in the past couple of weeks alone. Um, I've been so hyper focused on getting a new job and trying to provide and trying to have a salary that you know makes the budget and the past weeks god has kind of refined me and he's he's allowed me to essentially focus on him the spirit has just really really prompted me to chase after god more and more and as i've been doing that what i'm noticing is when i'm not focused on the budget the budget doesn't become a problem when i'm not focused on money and providing it shows up it's not something i have to chase after if we're being a good steward if i'm focusing on god and if we're living a life that is pleasing to God, he naturally provides. It's, and it's not this prosperity thing where he blesses us because we serve him. What it is, is you're simply trusting in God to provide and doing what he wants you to do. So he provides for you. There are people that he'll provide more for mm-hmm. because He's been, because he has called them to do more. And there are people that he'll provide less, and I'm using that term loosely, because... He has called them to do less. Mm-hmm. Not anything is greater than the other, but there are some that have been called to support multiple missionaries, and there have been some that have been called to support their family. Yeah, and that's their calling. God support the people He has called to the measure in which He has called them, and so I believe that when we attempt to play God, for lack of a better way of putting this. We end up being discontent with where we are, 
being angry at God for why we're here. And at the end of the day, we're the ones that walk right into this. We have focused too much on what we want, where we should be, where we think we want to be. And we haven't focused enough on God and on the will that he has for our lives and the purposes in which he has called us to walk in. I think it's easy to see or know if you're discontent. How do you know if you're content or discontent in which areas? Like, what is that prompting question for you? Like... Is it easier to see if you're content? Is it easier to see if you're discontent in something? I think it's easier for me to know when I'm discontent because the only things going in my mind are I want, I want, I want, I don't have this, I don't have that, why do they have that and I don't. The whole comparison thing, I think it's so much easier for me to recognize discontentment in myself than it is contentment because I'm focused on what I don't have and what I want instead of being thankful for what I do have. The very thought of being content can be a form of discontentment. When we are so content, we become discontent. And not discontent in the emotional sense, but discontent in the spiritual sense. We become discontent with God's prompting to better ourselves, God's prompting to better his kingdom. And we become so content with the blessings that he gives us that spiritually we miss out on his entire calling in our life. And so I think it, it, it really is a spectrum. Uh, the one extreme you have is just absolute discontentment. I want, I want, I want, and I'm not getting. But you also have laziness. Essentially, you have this idea that like everything is great. I don't need anything else. I don't need a better paying job. I don't need to work in church. I don't need to volunteer for more things. I don't need to help people because I already help people in a certain way. When you get there, you're also at a dangerous, sinful extreme. And where we need to find ourselves is in the middle, where we go, okay, I want to better myself spiritually, and I am never content spiritually. But also, I am content in the blessings God has given me, in the status he's given me, in the families he has given me, in all these things. And if we can't find that balance, we are discontent. I think that's a good point. And I think what you said of, like, spiritually, if you're content in your spiritual life, you're missing the point. Mm. Because sanctification always draws you closer to the cross. And the more the closer you get to the cross, the bigger it is and the lesser you become. And so if you're sitting there thinking, oh, I pray enough, oh, I read my Bible, oh, I go to church and sing the songs and say the prayers and whatever, I'm good. You're really, <laughs> you're really not good because the more you press into your relationship with God, the more you realize your need for him. A while ago, I talked with my folks and I had convinced them to put up a little list on the refrigerator and it had needs and wants. And the catch was at the end of the week or two that we had this up there, I looked at him and said, why is there anything in the need list? Because at the end of the day, we shouldn't need anything and we shouldn't want for anything but God. Now, admittedly, we had sweets and, okay, maybe uh, uh, some more bacon for breakfast <laughs> or some pancakes on Sunday. But there was also stuff in the need list because as an experiment in my family, we completely missed the whole point. We shouldn't need to have all of these things. We shouldn't need to have the more bacon. Although, I mean, it's bacon, so <laughs> I'm going to let that one slide. But <laughs> we shouldn't need to have 
the bigger house, the better job, the kids, any of these things shouldn't be a desire that outweighs your desire for Christ. Mm. I don't see an issue in desiring and wanting kids, a family. I mean, everybody here knows that I want, I'm, well, I'm looking forward to the day in which I'll have a family. I think everyone in this room <laughs> is in agreement with you. But when that became a greater desire than my desire to understand the heart of God, that is when discontentment showed up. That is when I thought the need was for a family. That, oh, well, if I have that, I'll be fine. Mm. If I have a wife, a mm-hmm. family, the white picket fence for since we were using that analogy, then everything will be fine, and everything, and, and then I'll see God, and I'll and I'll understand and love God then. And in reality, contentness, like you said, with the spectrum, comes from a understanding of who God is, understanding His character, which is not something we will never fully understand. We can't grasp that. We don't have the ability to. But understanding God and getting in and learning who He is and who our Father in Heaven is and who the Savior Christ is, loving that and loving God in a way that is deeper and more fruitful than a, okay, I go to church, I sit in the pew, or, yeah, I read my Bible 15 minutes a day, once a month, but with a love that shows more of a desire for intimacy with Christ that is beyond anything in which you could experience with another person. I like what you said about like just being um, like resting in our knowledge of God's character because we need to be content in the fact that like God brings about not just pleasure in life but pain also in our life and we need to be able to sit with that pain. I know we were going through James um, and you know talks about uh, James talks about like consider it all joy um, trials because it brings about steadfastness and steadfastness leads to essentially like building you up better to to walk in your life in a Christian way. So I think resting in the in our knowledge of God's character like you said is a really really important part of uh of contentment just just recognizing the fact that you know not everything God gives us is going to be pleasurable to us. Sometimes he he works pain in our lives to uh bring about something for his glory. I like what both Andy and Tyler said about knowing God and I think in a practical sense knowing God is how we achieve that balance on the spectrum of contentment so what does that mean like how do we do that is the big question and like you know the the Christian like buzzword would be read your Bible okay great I can read this Bible all day long and I can read a book does the mere act of reading the Bible bring me contentment the answer is no the Bible is God's living word. This is God conversating with us in the way that God wants to, in the way that God chose to sit and talk to you and me, just like we're sitting around a microphone talking. This is how God speaks to us. This is essentially God's podcast, for lack of a better term. And so when we sit down, we read our Bible, we pray to God, we're conversating back with God after meditating on his word. That action allows us to understand and know the character of God better and better, which is really the solution for contentment. It's not to try to ignore and try to you know, push down these future things. It's 
That's that doesn't solve contentment at all. All it does is force you. It forces you on the other end of the spectrum. If we seek to know God by studying His Scripture, understanding that it is God literally talking to us, and then talk back to God in prayer, that's really how we grow content. I think that's an area of discontentment that's healthy. Um, the one an area that that discontentment challenges your faith. It challenges you to push forward and more into Christ. Like I would say that's when discontentment is healthy. And we say contentment and discontentment as if they're complete, like almost completely positive and negative words. And while generally that is the idea, I think discontentment in your relationship with Christ and the fact you're discontent in the fact that you don't know Christ, you don't know Christ's character, you don't know the characteristics of Christ, um, I think that that can be a catalyst to challenge your faith and building you up um, so that the mere act of reading your Bible isn't just a mere act of reading the words, that it's reading the words, applying them, meditating on them, and truly understanding what those words mean, understanding the character of God. Yeah, I, th- I think it's important too to know it's like contentment isn't something that like humans in general are very good at. Like it. <laughs> We're not good at being happy. We're not. We want. We want. We want. Um, and that goes all the way back to the fall. Like, oh look, knowledge of good and evil. I want that. You know, I want that shiny red apple on the tree, um, or whatever fruit it was. I don't know if it says. <laughs> well, all we can do in that instance is ask God to build up our character and ask God to bring about um, contentment in us. It's not something that we can do. It's not like. All right, let me take a class in contentment and I'll, I'll learn everything there is about contentment so I can be content. It's not something we do. It's something that God does through us. Yeah, I think it, it's interesting. So King David in Psalm 51, it's a Psalm of David. It's right after he sins with Bathsheba, commits adultery. Um, the prophet comes and confronts him and David is like, whoa. I messed up. So he writes a psalm, and the essence of the psalm is not guilt. The essence of this psalm is, I seek to know you better because you are such a gracious God. Because you have this gospel promise over and over. This is before Christ. This is in the Messianic promise. David is so convinced of God's forgiveness and God's grace and God's mercy, the gospel itself, that... The only thing, like Brittany said, that King David is discontent of is that he doesn't know God more and more and more. So we hear this plea, this great, like what we think would be, you can never forgive me. That's not what King David writes. He writes, hey, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I'm forgiven. I know that. But I want to seek you more and more and more. And that is what I want. That is how I can be content despite the sinner I am, despite my life circumstance. Because if we define abundance in material, cultural, worldly standards, God doesn't give us that. God doesn't give Job abundance in the midst of his trials. God doesn't give Jesus abundance at all. God doesn't give anybody in the Bible abundance of anything except trials. And that's one thing that we have to keep in mind. God's abundance is eternal. God's abundance is the glory that we receive in heaven. It is the spiritual abundance we get. And that is so important for us to remember when we think about contentment. But it's also the challenge. Because if we we want stuff now, like we want abundance now, we want to be comfortable now, 
But the reality is the Christian lifestyle is just not that. Brittany and Grace, do you guys have any like practical steps to like, okay, we can't feel that abundance right now. Like how do we bridge that short term versus eternal gospel promise? I think it's part of learning how to live in the world and not be of the world. So like being mindful of what you're surrounding yourself with. If you're surrounding yourself with God's word, if you're surrounding yourself with people who are going to continue to keep you accountable on that contentment track versus are you surrounding your time with social media? Are you diving into TikTok? Are you diving into Facebook? Are you diving into going to stores? Is your release from stress going to stores and getting more things? Like I know that for me, when I'm stressed out, I want to get out of the house and I want to go shopping. Mm -hmm. And half the time I end up buying things and half the time I don't, but it's all things that I don't need. And it's because that moment that I have of stress, of discontentment, with my current situations leads me to another thing of discontentment, of not being content with what I have. Mm -hmm. So constantly just being mindful, I think, of where you stand and what you surround yourself with, of being in the world and not of the world is somewhere to start. Yeah, I think it depends on what our focus is. If our focus is our temporary joy that might last for five minutes or might last for five years, you know, somewhere within that spectrum, if we keep our eyes fixed on what's set up before us and we have Christ as the anchor of our soul and we're keeping our eyes set on heaven, then I think everything kind of falls into line. When we lose sight of that, it's when things get messy. How do we keep our eyes set on heaven? I mean, it sounds like a simple Sunday school answer when we say it, honestly, but it's really like who you surround yourself with what you choose to surround yourself with, what you choose to comfort yourself with in those moments of discontent, I think is a big one too. Consistently taking a step back. I mean, it's kind of like pride. Consistently taking a step back and saying, am I thinking of myself in this moment? Which is super hard to do in the moment, obviously, but figuring out where your heart's intent in everything that you're doing. A constant check of where's my heart at, where's my heart at, maybe can be somewhere to start. The key here is like, submission like submission to god's will for your life and i think it's important to pray over that like to put to be to ask god to continually like allow me to submit to your will not even submit to just your will but submit to god's peace in moments of discontentment and discontentment can be all sorts of things you're stressed out you're angry xyz whatever that is But submitting to God's peace, knowing that God's peace is the only thing in that moment that's going to bring you ultimate peace instead of going shopping. Like, um, surrendering to God's character and who God is. The practical step is it's a process. Yeah. But the more we surround ourselves with Christians, the more we study scripture to know God, the more we pray to God, which all this stuff is the magical, you know hey, this is what you do in every single sermon, bottom line, right? But that's truly, the Christian life is hard, but it's easy at the same time. It's simple. We take up the cross of Christ. We follow Christ with people, and we follow Christ individually. And when we do that, this comes naturally, but it takes time. When people come back from missions trips, like I think I things like that experiences, like those like out-of-our-country experiences are catalysts for prompting your contentment 
I think about people who are going to Niger all the time, or I think about people who have gone to Belize or other countries and seeing what other areas in this world and the contentment that those people have and the joy and just the smallest things. And it really kind of puts that stuff into perspective when you come back. And then I think about the Ukraine situation. I think about everything that's happening overseas right now and how people are content with just being surrounded by family. Mm -hmm. People are content with being a subway singing hymns because God is bringing them contentment. Like that speaks volumes. While they're completely under fire, they're under danger all the time. But they're truly content in the fact that God is with them in the smallest things of the fact that maybe they're with their family or they got their family out safely. Things that really put things into perspective, like, am I content with my dishes versus are you content with your safety? Are you content with God covering your family in safety? I hate to be the quote guy, but I I love to quote people that I respect. Um, But one of my favorite, to kind of like sum up my thoughts about it is, or Sinclair Ferguson, one of my favorite theologians, talks about uh, Christian contentment as the direct fruit of having no higher ambition than to belong to the Lord and to be totally at his disposal in the place he appoints. And I think it really just comes down to checking your desires. God, you have me in this specific scenario, in a specific place, for a specific purpose. You have no obligation to tell me what it is or to reveal to me what exactly is happening, but... I'm going to be totally content in what you have for me. I I mean, that's easier said than done, but it comes back to that submission.